Hi everyone, I'm Simon Huebner. Welcome to the Inside Asperger's Podcast, a show that tries to reach out to a world that determined I wasn't going to be able to, a show where I'm trying to be concise in a world where that naturally comes difficult to myself and my peers. Today I wanted to share a little bit of unknown history of autism. And before I do, I just want to say everything sounds classy in a French accent. It's the only way Grey Poupon could have sold all that mustard. I also wanted to say that everything sounds classier also in a British accent. Just ask anyone diagnosed with Asperger's like me. Started wondering about this when I looked up a story about a British doctor and autism mom in the 50s and 60s named Lorna Wing. She stood up for her own and daughter's dignity, but didn't go far enough. Enjoy this story while I explain. Way back in the 1950s, Lorna Wing was a pediatrician who, along with her physician husband, John, had a severely autistic daughter named Susie, which back in the 1950s was the only type of autism to be defined by medical professionals. Naturally, Dr. Lorna Wing starts wondering and asking what can I do for my child. The medical answer at the time was to institutionalize them and call their moms refrigerator mothers, because their frigid demeanors meant that their kids were completely, absolutely incapable of reciprocating affection, showing love to anyone, let alone family members and basically projecting every mysterious symptom back onto an autistic child's parents instead of asking why a child can't seem to screen out any external stimuli. Lorna Wing was unwilling to accept what her peers in the medical field were saying in their official peer-reviewed literature about refrigerator mothers. She was lucky enough to have the professional training, interpersonal skills, and mother's intuition to say, quote, I thought those papers were bloody stupid. I knew I wasn't a refrigerator mother, end quote. So doctors Lorna and John looked around her native England and saw that every child diagnosed with autism was institutionalized, lumped in with all kinds of traumatized children with all kinds of behavioral problems. Their best case scenario of working was in a sheltered workshop, a life which they never wanted for little Susie. They find a new revolutionary school called Sybil Elgar, named after the school secretary turned student teacher who started a brand new school for autistic children. Little Susie Wing got so excited about this revolutionary school, she'd shout, Mrs. Elgar, when it was time to go to school. Like any other autism parents, the Wings were thrilled that Susie could show any emotion and happiness. After years of building up the school through fundraising and positive media coverage, the school success and reputation grew, and they eventually found that autistic kids, who are only known as severely autistic, are going to need supports as teenagers and adults. Lorna Wing's involvement with Sybil Elgar's school and medical training gave her a platform and influence to share her knowledge on autism. She forms a study trying to determine autistic characteristics because she didn't trust criteria that said she was a refrigerator mother or called autism a type of childhood schizophrenia. She finds out that there aren't very many kids who would fit the narrow criteria of autism, but she finds many kids with different eccentric characteristics who don't qualify for an autism diagnosis because they don't have enough of all the autism characteristics. She meets with kids who do some but not all of the following behaviors, hand flapping, being scared of changes in their routine, several repetitive rituals, and of course wanting to talk your ear off about only one topic. Lorna Wing tried to make sense of what she was seeing. She even came up with the term autistic continuum before she devised an autism spectrum. After all of her hard work and diligent scholarship in showing that some children have a slight form of autism, she could have taken credit for finding a new condition by naming it after herself. However, when Lorna Wing wanted to see if any related evidence-based research existed in the entire body of scientific literature, she found the discoveries of Hans Asperger, an Austrian pediatrician, whose work hadn't even been translated into English from German. Maybe Lorna was truly selfless, or quite possibly Lorna understood the power of names and did not want a bunch of eccentric youths to be mocked and teased as wingnuts, or winging it for any reason at all. By the way, that name came from my mom. I was thinking more of Chicken Wings or Let Miller's Wind Beneath My Wings, which goes to show that this is one time women should have gotten all the credit instead of deferring to a man. Now some select psychologists, mostly also from Austria and Germany, started to catch on to Asperger's research. But a question persisted. Was an Austrian pediatrician who worked in his native country from the 1920s to the 1960s complicit in working with Nazis? Yet again, Dr. Lorna Wing wants to identify every single variable as any diligent scientist would and should. As for Asperger, he tended to work in 
and obscurity, including in 1930s Vienna, Austria, at the Heilpädagogik, which means Therapeutic Education Station, at the Children's Clinic at the University Hospital. Here he saw a range of patients who were engaged in a program that included learning about music, literature, nature study, drama, art, speech therapy, and athletics, coordinated by a nun who had a special gift for reading, reaching the children working there, who Asperger actually thought was the true genius of the clinic. Now, as for Asperger, he did not join the Nazi party despite pressure, even though his mentor and other trusted colleagues were ardent Nazi party members. Asperger had loyalty to a Catholic group called the Wandering Scholars, who ended up souring on Nazis when some of their members were persecuted by them, but not before. People have debated, researched, and debated some more about whether Hans Asperger was a Nazi or what involvement he had with Nazis. When a psychiatrist reached out to Dr. Lorna Wing to get a definitive answer, she said, quote, Oh dear no, Asperger was a devoutly religious man, end quote. Like that made it okay to pass on all the credit onto him. Like the two were mutually exclusive. Because anybody with a religious upbringing knows that's a non sequitur. That deed is more important than creed. Stay tuned for my next episode in two weeks where I discussed alleged Nazi involvement of Hans Asperger and how significant it is. Until then, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Inside Asperger's. You can follow me on Twitter at InAspergerPod. Feel free to email me at InsideAspergers at ProtonMail.com. As always, I'm thankful to everyone who listens to the end, and I'll talk to you soon.